Hey guys, Roy here. Welcome to the second episode of the Balanced Mail Podcast. This episode is important as it is the very first dad talk. I have a friend here who is an actual father, and I'm just going to discuss with him what fatherhood is like for him, things he's learned, things he's seen. So sit back and enjoy. And I don't really know how to begin things like this, so we are recording, but uh, here we go. Okay. All right. um, I have here my first dad for the Dad Talk podcast of the Balanced Male series. Um, Why don't you tell us your name, who are you, where you come from, all that stuff. All right. Well, it's an honor to be your virgin dad. Uh, and the experience here, I'm really excited, and uh, we have uh, been talking about this for a little while, and my name is Andrew Schwartz, I live in Virginia Beach, um, and I am a father of three kids who are all under eight years old, which I will tell you more about momentarily, <laughs> um, and I'm excited to be talking about this whole experience, this messy, unpredictable, wonderful life of being a dad. Awesome. And I would like to point out that we are drinking um, some delicious coffee from Three Ships. Um, that's going to be a big part of this podcast. When I, you know, I interview a dad, I wanted to have you guys sort of enjoying something that you like. I find that, or what I observe with dads and parents is that very rarely do they get to take a moment to enjoy something for themselves. They're, they're giving all of themselves to make sure their their kids or their wives are happy and i felt that if there's one thing that helps people relax is enjoying something they love and you wanted coffee yes i did i i've definitely become a coffee snob (laughs) well i uh i I picked three ships we're drinking some delicious coffee from burundi um three ships is a great roastery here in virginia beach he's also a dad so you got to check those guys out. But I'm going to just jump into the questions if you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing I was going to ask you is about things that you remember from your birth story, if you remember anything from that. Okay, before I say that, I do need to go backwards a little bit and say the first time I met Roy was in a coffee shop where he was working. <laughs> here in Virginia Beach, and I saw him frequently thereafter, one of those things where you are you go to work or hang out, and you're like, I would really like to know this person. Um, so the awkward encounters that happen again and again, and you just really enjoy being around them. Um, so my childhood, or my birth experience, I, I don't... Uh, I, my dad was a, a, a United Methodist pastor for 28 years or something, which is what I somehow find myself doing now. I've been a Methodist pastor for for two years. And um, so we had a lot of movement when I was a kid. Uh, it was customary in, back in the 80s and 90s for Methodist pastors to move like every three or four years. So we moved a lot. And um, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky when my dad was in seminary at Asbury and he had just graduated from University of Kentucky playing in marching band, playing trumpet. And my mom was was working there. So my parents were always very busy. I remember that. Uh, well, I don't remember that, but I know they were busy. They worked hard. They were they didn't have a whole lot of resources or financial means. So I don't know, maybe very proud that they just kind of like 
bootstrapped it, um, went to school, like did master's degree while they had me and um, both worked to make it happen. Um, so made me pretty proud, I guess, knowing that. And has there been anything from your parents that you've brought into your life as a father? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely... I definitely think so. Um, my parents, uh, I just always remember them being very loving. My parents chose an alternative lifestyle for sure, like being a pastor's family, living in different parsonages, which is a term that means it's not your house, it's owned by the church. And uh, and always having people over being very, like every place we lived was a place of deep hospitality and and friendship and food. And there was always different different people over that we were getting to know. So that that definitely created and shaped the values that I have for my family today and my wife and I and and the kind of household we want, our kind of the kind of exposure we want with our our kids to know different kinds of people, experience different kinds of cultures and life and experiences uh, that have a better better representation of just kind of one slice of of life. So you know it's interesting um, cuz I, I I was talking to friends of mine about just what you were saying about exposing kids and exposing yourself to other cultures and other lifestyles. And I think, um, you know, we have a culture nowadays where it's like you can basically cherry pick what you want and you can just live there and exist there and and be around exactly the people that you want to be that look like you, that talk like you and never experience anything outside of that. Um, do you see that it, it's like helped your kids? I mean, I know that they, you said they're all under eight, but exposing them to that, have you seen anything so far with that? I do. Um, you know, being intentional about where we've chosen to live and being intentional about the kind of friendships that my wife, Alice, and I have chosen to develop, um, you know, I think you can overdo anything. It can be awkward and and and, and not authentic. But just being uh, being intentional about helping our kids see different ways of life is important. And it, that's interesting. How you don't really have to even do anything. You just kind of set that intention in your mind, and you know, usually those kind of people start coming into your life, or or whatever the case may be. So being just being open and not too controlling with uh, with, uh, with that, I think is, is, has been really important, I guess. You know, that's awesome. I think, uh, the biggest, you know, I look around where I live and I see like how homogenized this little neighborhood that I'm in is, you know, you know, it's a beach, it's a beach neighborhood. There's mostly older people and people who have done well for themselves and so it's, it's very much like one type of person and I know that that as when I found out I was going to be a dad I, I remember thinking that I want to do what I can to expose them to all sorts of cultures so they don't grow up with this mindset of like scared of the unknown and the people that don't look like them or act like them are automatically someone they should fear and you know that's really cool that, that you know that you're doing that I think you know, you, you wish more people would do things like that and, and expose kids at a young age to that. You know, my, my dad was the same way. Um, you know, we, he, you know, he was a, 
worship leader in a church and you know we were always having all types of people over i think the one thing i remember my best friend was a black guy and my first girlfriend was from czechoslovakia and it wasn't because of where we were moving it's just those were the people that came to our house and so it's just like it's just so foreign to me to be around people that look act and talk like me um so that's cool that's awesome um so you had you said you have three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, are they all boys, boys and girls? And sub sub question: When you found out that you were having kids, was there did you want a boy or a girl, or did you care either way? Well, I have my oldest is a is a girl. Her name is Anna Lee, and she is almost eight, about one month shy of eight years old. And I have a two boys one of them is just turned five and his name is holden like in uh catcher in the rye but not named after that kid not named after holden caulfield and uh my youngest his name is hosea like the biblical prophet um which is an awesome story and he is two and a half um when when we first out found out we were having kids after the initial shock and terror which never really left, uh, which I know you're feeling right now, Roy. Um, I, I didn't, I don't know. I, we didn't, we intentionally did not find out the gender of two of our children. The second one we did, the first and the third we didn't, um, for various reasons. But, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, I think as a, as a, as a male, it's like, it's, it's like natural to be like, I would like to raise a boy to um to experience that uh and to 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 help them understand life and um um wisdom and and chaos and all these intimacy all these things but uh but honestly when we had our daughter i was just (laughs) taken aback at how uh, how much i was in love with that little human being and when we had our second child, I was secretly hoping for a little girl because I thought, okay, I would like to be the dad who just has a gaggle of girls around all the time. Uh, but we had two boys, which was just as awesome. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that you say that. I mean, I when I found out I was having a boy, I mean, it was, I think it was the first time I cried tears of joy um, besides being scared and, and wondering Oh my God, like this is real. But um, there's something about it, you know. I always felt it just really cool to like get to raise a new steward of the earth and and the things that I've learned. But um, that's pretty cool. Um, It's also, I I just definitely was like, at the end of the day, it's like trying to control the weather. It's going to be what it's going to be, and I need to love it all the same. what are the boys like with the girls? Like your sons, your sons with the daughter. Um, yeah, they, uh, they, they are very different. Um, much more uh, experiential, needing to sense things, and very intense, and um, much more, um, yeah, much more needing to need to needing to feel what things are like and and feel how mar- how far they could push boundaries and and in sometimes frustrating ways most of the time really fun ways mm-hmm. my daughter is much much more more reserved much more of a high feeler 
much more experiences things emotionally. Um, uh, so there, there's definitely big differences there. Um, yeah. So, um, the next thing that kind of lead into that, um, is about the pregnancy. What was that like? I mean, was it the same? Was it the different for each kid? Um, was there something that was pro that was, you didn't expect out of the pregnancy? Yeah. Um, during, during the pregnancy, during those, that time. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking, I remember each time thinking about how are we going to make this work financially? Um, my wife, like your wife is a chiropractor, a business owner. Um, during the first child, she was working for someone, but during the next two children, she was on her own. So, um, that was a huge fear of mine is how are we going to make this work? And it was really hard. The second one, we were living, during, during my son Holden, our second child's birth, we were living with my family, my sister and her two boys were living in the, in the same house together, all of us. Uh, and my sister was such a huge help during that time in many ways. But that's how, that was the only way we were able, that was the only way we were able to make that time work financially. It was yeah. really hard. And then the third one, there was a little more stability when, when my son Jose was born, but still that... That was I, so. I, I unfortunately lost a lot of time and worry and anxiety that was probably unnecessary, Roy, and I, I kind of regret that uh, because you know the last thing that the one who's doing all of the work, the 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 mom is or the female is is not the last thing they need is is their partner to be lost in an anxious mess. <laughs> yeah. So I don't feel like I feel like I could have done that a whole lot better than I did, um, but we got through it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, you say that you know your wife's a chiropractor, and my wife's a chiropractor, and I think it's a question that's actually not on my list, but <clears throat> you know, I'm noticing. <laughs> I knew well, no, I knew very early into the relationship that if I was going to marry a chiropractor, our life was going to be a lot different than everyone else that I knew, <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of like wellness and health and choices that we make and just you know all of these decisions um because chiropractors definitely you know they're counterculture to what normal quote unquote normal terms of healthcare is and how has that been and how like yeah how has that been for for you as a dad because you're not a chiropractor and um yeah anything that it, like has stood out has it been hard easy anything like that yeah, that that is definitely like uh, both sides of our family, my family and my wife's family, all think we're hippies, <laughs> uh, which I'm really okay with. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I'm a hippie, but um, I'm I'm okay with that. I I kind of actually kind of feel proud about that. Yeah. <laughs> but but we have definitely done things alternatively. Um, there's been midwives at all three births. There's not been a medical doctor present at any of the three births. One of them happened in our living room, um, in a tub, that an inflatable tub. The other two happened in hospitals, but it was in a midwifery inside the hospital. <clears throat> so my wife used no medication on any of the births, except for the first one with some um, uh, medication for um, uh, like bacteria. So 
I am super proud of her. Like she is so strong, so strong-willed and really knows what she wants and really confident. And I've noticed that like about your wife too. And just just knowledgeable to know, I guess they kind of see have seen behind the curtain a little bit mm-hmm. in ways that maybe you and I have in our careers in different ways, but um, or our passions. But their, their passion is definitely about um, allowing the, the body to do what it does best and getting out of the way and not not adding anything <clears throat> that would um, get in the body's way. Just the body knows what the body does best. I, I, I think that's something I hear them talking about a lot. So it's been really powerful for me to witness that and learn from that truth in, mm-hmm. in their life. Yeah, you mentioned that um, you, know, you had midwives at all the births. Do you think that, or how do you think that made the birth of your children different from, you know, someone who, you know, chose to have a hospital birth? Was it like, I don't know, do you think, I know, well, obviously your experience is going to be different when you're looking and there's a, there's a baby being born in your living room, (laughs) but how do you think that, was it like you were more connected? Was it a more spiritual kind of experience? Um, well, I, like the the home the home birth was definitely it felt much more intimate there wasn't um people coming into the room um at different times of of day or night um and then just allowing Allison and the baby to be in their in her own bed right after the birth uh or or shortly after the birth was very powerful um really 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 moving um but even the even the other ones in, inside the hospital, the midwifery's they did a good job at keeping that environment feeling like home. Like each of the rooms in there looked like a living room more than it did a hospital room. It's funny. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, I guess, you know, it's just interesting when we're <clears throat> witnessing our our wives going through this change. I know for me, I've been kind of understanding that fathers, for the most part of the beginning, are were sort of witnesses to this instead of like experiencing it. And it's like the things that we go through, you know, I think are so much different than what the women are going through. And the, um, was there anything that you sort of felt during the pregnancy or you got to see that was just like kind of blew your mind? in any way well one of the things that i learned i I was sort of a armchair birth coach (laughs) (laughs) which is very dangerous i think probably but i mean just just joking but we had midwives at all the births but we didn't have a doula and um my i felt like and allison my wife felt like she was knowledgeable enough of what's happening that she kind of gave me a few books to read and uh, one of the things that I found myself doing in each of them was saying this phrase probably 50 times, you can always let go a little more. <laughs> you can always let go a little more. And that was my job was right before the next contraction, she got into a place where her body can fully relax. And the job was to, for, for me was to well, push in a certain area of her back, which there's some name for, which chiropractors would know, but I don't know. And uh, with my fist and tell her again and again, you can always let go a little more, like allow your body to release and relax. Um, so 
that was beautiful to be with her and just that intimate and that close during the, those intense and contractions. And it would seem like just seeing her in such pain, you thought, oh my gosh, this has got to be the worst. And then it would go and then the next one would come and it'd be more intense and then it would go and just kind of like waves coming in. And you, I guess it's never probably something that you can ever get fully <laughs> relaxed into, but just allowing the body to work like that and allowing to, my, I was so proud of my wife, like, oh my gosh, the connection I felt to her, the pride I had in her that she, she would, um, I, I don't know. It was amazing. It's hard to describe. What was it about what you, I mean, it is hard to describe. Sorry. I just literally <laughs> answered my last, <laughs> like, cause I was going to ask, Roy. I was like, what, it, what made you so proud of your wife? And you literally just said everything and it's hard <laughs> to describe. Um, that's awesome. Um, you know, a lot of times I've been wondering, like, what is the role of a dad? And, mm. you know, sometimes we see dads, their role is protector, provider, 100%. And then the wife's role or the, the, the mother's role is, is the house or, you know, vice versa. But um, how do you view, you know, your role as a dad? Yeah, that's a really, <clears throat> that's a hard question. Um, <clears throat> I, I know one of, some of the conversations that you and I have had, Roy, in in terms of male intimacy, which is a phrase that conjures up various things for people, um, and the the challenge in our culture today for boys and men to. Um, to understand and express intimacy with other males, um, I, I really feel like um, a lot of us haven't seen that done very well or, or haven't experienced that for ourselves. And I feel like we are really missing something in, in that, that connection. And others. I think there's a lot of lonely men out there um, that, that are looking for a deep connection and deep friendship. Um, I don't. I could be wrong about that. I I feel that way. Um, I've I've ex- experienced and come across other pilgrims on the journey who feel that way too. Who are, who are friends or or, or guys. So I think for my boys especially, um, I want I want to model a a way of life that is vulnerable and that is ex- is not af- afraid to express. Um, and not not closed off or stonewalled emotionally that um, that you know I want them to feel my chaos just as much as they feel my serenity um, in, in appropriate ways if that makes any sense for my daughter I, I, I am much more intimidated about I, I feel like I'm much more fragile there and and I think she's probably way stronger than I know she is than I um, can imagine, but I, I feel like <laughs> I really want to get that right. Um, and I really want to respect her and help her to have the best appreciation for her soul, her spirit and her body that she can. And I know how much a father plays into that for, for their daughter. I get a little emotional thinking about, about the connection I have with my daughter and how things, Things I probably have messed up so much already, but uh, want her to just feel so 
proud to be who she is, just as she is. Every, every night we have this thing we say where I say, um, how much do I love you? And they say, so much. And I say, they say, why is, I say, why is that? And they say, you are you, and Jesus loves you. And I, I say, just the way you are. And they say, I love who you are. And I say, I love who, who you are. And they say, just the way you are. And then we both go, namaste. <laughs> and I want them to remember that over and over, that just, just as they are yeah. is great. Like, just as they are. They don't have to come, come at me without their flaws. Like, who they are right now is, is a wonderful gift both warts and their joys you know i just i want that to be reinforced every day um i guess i see my role somehow in that i don't know if that probably doesn't answer your question fully but no that was that was perfect um do you think that your kids are gonna have this sense of freedom knowing that you love them just the way they are Oh, um, Sorry, did I no, that's you? okay. Did I, I, I like it. Uh, freedom, <laughs> a sense of freedom. Um, and it's like, um, they don't have to be anybody else. They can be them. And they know that they have your support. That's what I mean. So is there, a, do you think there's a freedom in that for them? Yeah, I I think there's a freedom in that. I think a lot of cultures experience a lot of what we find in culture is 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 giving us the opposite of that in advertising and the over you know sexualization that we all experience is you're not enough until you get this or this. But I think the great truth and the great mystery is the answer is already inside of us. <laughs> we don't have to have something outside to go search for it. The answer's been there all along. So I think, I hope that that gives them a freedom that they enter this world, leaving our house someday, knowing I have a deep sense of assuredness that I have what I need inside. Not that I don't need anybody else or any any source greater than me, but I don't need to be grasping about, um, bouncing around from one one fad to the next or one advertiser to the next. Uh, with the lie that I don't have what I need, that I'm not enough. So yeah, freedom would definitely, I hope and pray that's what they get. But I'm also a pretty messed up individual like all of us. And I just hope that doesn't mess them up too much in my own flaws and scars, you know? So (laughs) I mean, we're all just a bunch of messed up people trying to make our way in this world. Yeah. You know, um, now I say that because, you know, as you were, you said just the way you are, I was thinking about my dad. Um, I remember this one time I was, I was like, it was after church or something. And, and he just came running up to me and he was just like, you know, I just wanted to tell you that I'm proud of you. But I also want to tell you that I don't care what you do with your life. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I always laugh at this part. He said, <clears throat> you could be a plumber. You're going to make tons more than me, <laughs> millions of dollars being a plumber, but I'll love you just the same. And I think knowing that I had that from him, that love and that respect and that that knowing that he loved me as who I was, was like this incredible sense of freedom that has allowed me to make a ton of terrible decisions <laughs> and my and and choices, but also a ton of amazing decisions 
but knowing that I had that from him was all I needed. Because if anything else fell apart, I knew that I could come back to him. So I think that's really awesome that you do that. You know, and I think the more kids see that from their parents, I think the better this world will probably be, you know. Sorry, if, if you guys heard that, my cat just came in through the door and there. You said something she really likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's keep this going. I like this. Um, let's talk about, has there been anything, like what's the funniest thing you've experienced as a dad? Yeah, I was thinking about this, and um, I've always been kind of like I've expressed a minute ago, like kind of weird, goofy. I didn't, I never really felt like I fit in the flow all the time, and I've kind of become okay with that. I think a lot of my friends would say I'm pretty socially awkward. <laughs> There's a lot of encounters I find myself in. It's like, ooh, this is awkward, but it's all right, you know. Um, and I like that. I'm starting to see that in my kids and their own personalities, their own goofiness, you know, their own sort of like weird vibe that they can hopefully be proud about. Yeah. I especially my my middle son, he he's a redheaded, blue-eyed, freckled boy. He's the 5-year-old, very spunky, very like he loves to make people laugh and and really uh he he's going to be very creative. Uh, but he has, um, there was this moment in Georgetown in uh, D.C. a few years ago. He was three, and we were waiting outside of a, sto- a store or something, and he had with the window down. And I said, hey, I dare you to do this. And, I, and he did. He, we had the window down, and he would say, people would walk by, you know, these posh people in, in Georgetown, and he'd say, hello, how are you today? And he'd freak them out, and they'd be like, oh, and they would laugh, and I videotaped it. And I sometimes just go back and watch that. He did it for probably to 20 or 30 people, and just just watching that, and it's hilarious. Like, my kids think that their armpits are called armpips, and I still haven't corrected them on that. They call their heartbeat heartbeep. So, like, my heart's beeping. Um, my my son, he's, he's going through this phase where he's uh, afraid of people breaking in, and he says, Dad... Um, I'm afraid of Roberts coming in. So like anybody I know who called Robert, I'm like, don't come over, man. You're, you're, so he thinks they're called Roberts. Just stuff like that I just find so thrilling and fun and just like really brings out the, you know, the joy of life hearing them. Man, do you know any Roberts? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I have a – my wife has a cousin who's named Robert. I already told him like, yeah. You've you've made an image of like something in my son, you know. Yeah, that's so funny that you have a redhead, freckle-faced kid, and because you're you're not redhead and your wife's not redhead. Yeah. Wow. Um, genetics are a wild thing, yeah. man. Um, what has been what's been the hardest thing as a dad? I think the hardest thing being a dad is whether you have one kid or 12 or five, I don't know, is like friendship for yourself, mm. which is obviously something we all need to stay healthy. Something we all need is connection. And I, like I said a minute ago, like especially like male friendship um, or even friendship with females that it just, it's challenging to balance that. And um, it feels guilty to, um, you know, you need to have that in life, but it's just hard to to make that make that time and and keep that focus on those relationships, and especially if your friends are st- they don't have children, 
um, and you you have children, it becomes a challenge to uh, to adjust to that. Very possible to keep that going, but um, just becomes a challenge. Um, and and I think that along the same lines, just balance with work and and play and self care. And like you said, you I find myself giving a lot. And uh, this this is really cool to have someone ask me questions about this and drink, give me deliciously freaking amazing coffee from Burundi. It is it is a joy. And um, but but it does feel like I have to really work on making my tank full because I can't do anything if I'm running on empty all the time. So um, I think my wife and I have gotten better at not feeling guilty about self-care yeah i think um friendships in general are hard as you get older doesn't matter you know and then you throw the kids on there and it's like it seems like where does the time go Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah thank you for saying that i know that um thank you for being open about that Mm -hmm. i think you know you mentioned balance and friendships and and self-care it's almost like we're the last people to on the list you know yeah um yeah it feels like that sometimes yeah you know and it's it's like you know i think it comes it comes with the territory it seems that you know i'm not a dad i don't know what it is yet but you know it's almost like even you know even in my relationship with my wife you know i'm the last one on the list she gets everything but then if we're not taking care of ourselves how we're not we're doing a disservice not to just us but to everyone else in our lives yeah it's true yeah um whoo big stuff man <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's all right it's good I like where it's going yeah has there been anything what's been the easiest thing Oh, I'm going from hot and cold. That's all right. I I don't know. I was thinking about that question because, in full disclosure, Roy gave me these questions maybe two weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you're. That's sort of inside baseball for all y'all out there. But um, I uh, I was really struggling with that. I mean, certainly it's not all hard and it's not all dramatic and it's not all a burden at all. Um, Easy is a word that I. I don't know if I would, how I'd work that into this, uh, but um, I guess maybe the word like joy comes to mind when I think of that, like things things that are effortless that it just come happen naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that is like play. Like I, my, that's one of the things my dad instilled in me. He was on the floor a lot. Like, and there's something about that. Like when my dad would get on the floor and come down, literally to my physical level. He was expressing that, okay, son, like you're in control now. Like I'm here, my power is 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 in your hands. Like I'm 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 moving from a place of like, of being the one in control and in, in authority to to like you you direct the play, mm-hmm. and you know that's obviously in the books. Like self-directed play is so important for, but but I don't think he was doing it because he he knew any of that. He was just doing it because he wanted to express that. He loved me enough to come like below me, to come to my level and, and, and meet me there. And so we would play stupid games that were so fun, and we would play them throwing socks into the ceiling fan called Sock Bomb, and if you got hit, you know, just dumb games, and my dad was really good at that kind of stuff. So um, that's like a lot of fun, just being 
a dad who, who loves to play and, and expresses that with the kids. And they just light up when they see that their mom or dad or, or that's why fun uncles and aunts are so cool, you know, because they, they often yeah. do that so well, uh-huh. um, whether they're literally in the family or not. So, yeah, I think that's important. And it gets hard because it's like you move from like a productive mind where it's like, I really should check that email or send that text or pay that bill or do those dishes or clean the floor should I really, you know, I really don't have time to be like on the floor right now. I need to be doing something productive. But I think in the grand scheme, there's nothing better to do than get on the floor and play in that moment because those moments are so fleeting. So that's what I think of when I think of like, what just comes joyously and overflows with fun. Yeah, you know, it's like, what, you don't remember the, the times your dad paid all the bills or got the groceries, <laughs> you remember those moments, you know, and I like how you said, you know, I want, he met me there. Um, I think I'm noticing, you know, cause when you're a, when you're a man and you, you, you stand over a kid, like there's this power exchange or not power exchange, but, but it's like, you're making yourself higher than them. And then the kids know that. But I know that, like, because as a teacher, being a male teacher, I know that whenever I have to talk to my students about something that's hard or something mm-hmm. they've done wrong, my goal is that I don't lord over them, but I get down to their mm-hmm. level and look them in the eye. And, and I found that, that they listen so much more when I do that. But it's just that meeting them where they're at. And they just don't get, I don't think kids get that enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish you could have been my teacher, Roy. (laughs) All these kids tell me all the time I want to be in your class. And I was like, you don't want to, don't be, you don't want to be in my class. And they're like, why? It's like every wrong answer you get to shave your head. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, let's see. We're actually winding down with the questions we've gotten through. Um, is there anything that you think you would do over? Yeah, and, and I want to tell you before we finish, I, I have written something I want to read, just a, sort of a little like reflection at the end. Yeah, totally. But um, yes, um, you know, I think about a few moments in my life as a dad when I have just felt very inadequate mm-hmm. um, in my life as a dad or in my job or whatever. And I've allowed that to transfer over into my role as a parent. Um, you know, one of the things I read from this book, which I, I do think is a really good book, is called Parenting with Presence. I can't remember the name of the person who wrote it, <laughs> but uh, it's great. But she said that your kids can be your Sherpa, like if you let them, which means that your kids will naturally um, bring up like what you need to deal with in your life emotionally if you let them yeah. and in fact they will it's the matter of, of if you will kind of take their offer or not and so I can remember being very upset with my son Holden because he was picking on the youngest Hosea and he was obviously feeling jealous and grieving his loss of place in the family with a third child and so he was kind of picking on him and I was getting so frustrated and there's a few times I've I got so angry and yelled at him or, or really was like overly aggressive verbally with him. And 
I read that book and she, she leads you through like a, a meditative practice on what exactly that's coming from and, and a journaling exercise. And I was sitting with that for a while, meditating on that, praying on that. And I realized, yeah, I had been bullied when I was a, when I was a younger kid. And um, his picking on my youngest son was, he was my Sherpa in that moment, bringing that stuff up. And I was, I was going to a place viscerally where I was targeting Holden, but it was really stuff in me that emotionally I wasn't dealing with. Um, and my anger was getting irrational. And I was feeling exhausted and lonely and stressed and um, in this life as a dad. So, yeah, like I, I would... <laughs> I would have probably done counseling a lot earlier <laughs> and uh, try, try to maintain like a, a healthy practice of like contemplation and prayer and meditation to, to be aware of what's happening in me and not be emotionally reacting because that's part of this life as a parent is you know, you're, you're, you're pushed to your edge and you're exhausted and you're trying to make ends meet and you feel like you're inadequate again and again and then you have a moment that refreshes you and then its cycle continues. It's weird. But it's beautiful and it's crazy. So, yeah, like taking care of yourself and not feeling bad about that and um, and staying in tune to like your own awareness of like how you are emotionally. Um, I, I, I wish I would have done that more um, years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> our, uh, our therapist... Uh, Trené, who's also uh, a Reiki healer and leads meditation and stuff like that, always talks about, you know, situations and people are always a reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and these situations that come in, you know, it's not necessarily, it's like you were saying, it was just resonating with me because you were saying like the bullying aspect, you weren't like seeing Holden, you were almost seeing yourself being bullied from the past. And it was like bringing that up. Um, I guess, you know, that's, that's awesome. And it's like, do you think that like in a way your kids are healing you from that? That's a good question, bro. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think the obviously unintentional opportunity has been brought to me, whether I'll walk through that door or not. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of this part of the journey and process. And that's a kind of a beautiful thing to yeah. think about it. Like you're, this thing you bring into the world, these these hu- precious human beings will bring up things in you to bring you healthier if you'll if you'll take that that gift, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's the last question that I I had. I was going to end on this, and it might be just your reflection. What you were going to say is, I was almost going to be like, if there's one thing that you could leave for your kids, like if there's one thing. That you want them to know. I know I didn't put this on the list because yeah, I, I think that a question like that shouldn't be prepared. You got to hit them with it. That's but a like, great point. But is if it's something that, you know, like my, I can think of if if when I think of that with my dad, the first thing is it's okay to be you, and that you can be weird and you can be whatever you want to be, and that's the beauty in that because that's how my dad sort of like you say you do with your. What I heard you say you how you are with your kids that's what my dad did but you know is there one thing that you would like want to leave your kids thinking about and it could be you know that it's in that reflection that you want to say but yeah what is it yeah i i think it might be tucked in the reflection but 
to take you up on your offer of shooting from the hip, which I think is good. It's <laughs> good practice. Um, it, you know, I, I, I think that like one of the other things we say in our evening sort of mantra routine is you are made of, and they say stardust. <laughs> and I think like this, that this connection that we all have, like you might, you might come to think that you're separate, but really we're all so deeply connected. Mm -hmm. And in the moments when you feel so isolated and lonely, may that voice some in your head that you are made of stardust be there. In that moment when you're feeling above everyone and arrogant and prideful, especially boys, when you get to that stage, you're trying to find your way in life and prove yourself and getting bar fights and stuff, which I never really got in bar fights, but <laughs> maybe that'd be fun. I missed that. Maybe I should go start a bar fight. But when you're feeling that way, you're made of stardust. Like come back down to the earth and realize that we're all connected. I think that it would be a powerful message for a kid to take into the world in that way and to bring a balance to their their life and perspective and a groundedness. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really, that, that phrase kind of captures that for me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Because we are taught that we are separate from all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. And we do everything we can to separate ourselves from everybody and everything. You know, and that is such a cool thing to instill on a kid. Wow. It's a cool thing for me to just be reminded of that I'm connected to you. I'm connected to everybody. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So those are, that's, you know, that's the extent of my questions. You know, what's the last thing that you okay. want to yeah. share so with us? So I have yeah. something I wrote. And, okay. um, Go for it. I've always been like really interested in poetry and, and, and stuff, but I, I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I, I would like I would like to be, but this is not a poem. This is a reflection I've had for the last few weeks. Um, I don't I didn't know what it could feel like to love someone so much. I'll have to work hard on not smothering them. I see myself in so many different mannerisms, expressions, non-expressions, hesitancies. Fatherhood is so beautiful and terrifying. The sun coming through his beaming red hair. The half smile, half smirk on her face after eating her favorite food and feeling proud that she pleased us. His agonizing scream 30,000 feet in the air and the cringing annoyed faces mixed with the sympathetic caring glances of those around us. Observing the odd idiosyncrasies to generate a feeling of safety like watching my son clinging so tightly to a little toy all through the day and the night, not separating from it for a moment. I feel my reactions come like a geyser-like energy stirring up inside of me. It's like working with the fragilest of clay to mold what could be phenomenally beautiful like a vase or a bowl. You have to have the right amount of presence and you have to have the right amount of distance. To let the creation unfold, the, natu the natural beauty that is already there. But like a timid puppy or kitty or turtle, it will only reveal itself if completely safe, non-manipulative. No anxiousness, only safe and brave love. It's the same for their little soul, their great big soul. 
Bigger than Mount Everest, it works on different measures of grandeur and space than we do. It will come out only in the safe, trusting, patient grace it needs, that it deserves. Who am I to determine when, how, and where that will be, look like, or form into? But what privilege it is to be a loving listener, a father who stands at the edge of the canyon of this grand soul of theirs and marvel at its beauty and unending spacious uniqueness, a guide who learns with them and listens to their soul's truth. The best I can do is increase my ability for awareness and deep listening, to maintain my own reverence and awe of the spaciousness that makes me, me, to treat myself with respect, humor, and grace, Another loaded diaper which will leave my fingers spun like crap for the next three hours, no matter how many applications of soap. Another kids bop, song I'm, kids bop song I'm secretly liking more than the real song. Another meltdown over a hurt feeling. Another financial hiccup in our hilarious attempt at a budget. Another reminder of my loneliness and exhaustion. Another little hand grasping tightly to my pointer finger as we walk in the yard. Another unexpected, unprompted, Daddy, I love you. Another wrestling and tickle match where I hear that laugh again and again, knowing that it won't be long before I would give anything to go back to right here where I am right now. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> that was beautiful, man. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. What a. Uh, I'm just going to end it. <laughs> We can't top that. I do want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for being the first. This is a great thing that you've done, being vulnerable and sharing your life. I know that I can learn so much from you, and I think that people listening can learn a lot from you as well. So thanks for coming on. Um, that was the first dad talk of the balance mail podcast uh, tune in for the next one it'll be in a couple weeks thank you guys for listening tell your friends um, I'll see you guys later boy needs a theme song <laughs>